96.3 WRHT, Moorhead City, New Bern, Jacksonville. Getting your day started with Rayford, Dee Dee, and Elliot. This is Live and Local on the new Talk 96.3. You're nearer than my head is to the pillow. stars of all time, making her first film appearance at the age of seven, earning the first of three Oscar nominations at 17 for her starring role in what may well be the best-loved American movie of all times, The Wizard of Oz. She was also a prolific recording star, selling millions of records and winning five Grammy Awards in a single year. Five Grammys in one year, nearly three decades after starting out as one of the youngest performers ever signed to a major record label. Never did Julie Garland so unify a collection of strangers that on this date, April 23, 1961, during the famous Carnegie Hall performance, often called the greatest night in showbiz history. The raucous standing ovation that night that greeted Judy when she took the stage at Carnegie Hall set the tone for the evening that followed. They were on their feet even before the goddess grabbed the microphone, wrote Louis Funk for the New York Times. And then she sang, wrote Judith Chris for the New York Herald. And she sang, let it be reported, as she hasn't in years. She sang 27 wow. numbers <laughs> well, now, that what year was night. This? I missed the year on 1961. This date. I wish there was some video of that. Wouldn't that be great? I couldn't find any video. I found... Uh, Found some audio. That audio was from that evening. Oh, it was? Okay. Yes, it was. Great piece of art. Single yeah. piano playing. That's all that was there with her. Good morning, I'm Rayford Brown. I'm Elliot Potter. It, you caught my it caught my ear when you when you read about some people were calling it the greatest night. In show business. In show history. business. I, you know, that, that's a, I wonder what, that would be a nice, that would be a good, you know, a good question to ask yeah. a good see what some people think what would be what would be their greatest night in showbiz history what would you think who's anybody anybody what, 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 I, yeah what would be the what would i consider yeah you know the one one thing there's one night that stands out to me mm-hmm. when you start thinking about things like that that one year and i don't know um it might be something we could look up but there was one year i don't know if you remember it when there was a televised celebration of some anniversary of Motown. And that was the night, I think, that uh, Michael Jackson first did the moonwalk. And 
I believe Marvin Gaye performed, but it was just oh, there was just one. I, I'm remembering bits and pieces. Of there that was just right one now. legend after another oh. doing the, and you know, for America to me, you know, Motown is kind of where it's oh, all about. I, I loved it, and uh, and so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that there would be a lot of different folks that would have uh, different ideas on what would make the greatest night in showbiz history. But you know, something like Judy Garland doing what she did. I mean, that certainly would be twenty-seven songs that evening. She did twenty-seven numbers that evening. Twenty-seven songs, yeah. (laughs) Man, and you had Live Aid. You remember that? I I remember that that was that was like an all-day thing. But uh, you know, so you had some of those big spectacular things. But uh, hey, that's great, man. I think um, she certainly had the pipes. Well, she did that, and uh, you know, back from the days of the Wizard of Oz. It was a great, great movie, old. right? Yeah, it scared oh, yeah. the heck out of me. <laughs> did it really? The flying monkeys? Oh, heck yeah, man! Really? You, you weren't scared? Of, you tell me nah. you didn't think a flying monkey was going to come through the window and grab you and take you off? Nah. Well, I did. I was convinced of it actually. Mm. Do you think the boogeyman was outside your window a lot? No, I just it was just specifically. I mean. They, hey, they were on TV. You could see them. There they were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was no question to me whether or not they existed. Yeah, they were doing. They were flying all around. You know, I I, I saw the movie Amityville Horror, but I saw that after I had read the book. And the book, when they did, did you read it? Amity, I did not. Oh, okay. Well, at three fifteen in the morning on the second floor of this house. Yeah. Um, the second floor now. You see two pig's eyes glowing in the window. Hmm. And it happened night after night at 3.15 in the morning. Uh-huh. Pig's I, eyes. Yeah, pig's eyes. I was reading that book while I was in bed, you know, yeah. going get ready to go to sleep. And that was one that's like, wow. I could visualize it. I could see it happening. I could feel it. Did the movie live up to the, the uh, movie did scare, wasn't did the movie even scare close to reading it no, and, and letting your imagination take my, over? My, that was so well written. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> We're going to have some barbecue if I see pig's eyes in the window. When I, wa- when I was growing up, as far as movies go, horror movies mm-hmm. like that, the one movie that probably disturbed me the most, and I, I have to say disturbed as opposed to you know, scared because, I mean, it just sort of like sat with me, yeah. was The Exorcist. And it was because of my, you know, the religious, religious background, background that yeah. I had. I mean, we were taught mm-hmm. in Sunday school and stuff. There were demons, and I was Pentecostal holders, and, you know, uh, demons were very much part, you know, people. We, there was an actual belief that people you know, had demons inside of them. You can see on, on TV sometimes you're hey, supposed get to them see. Out. Yeah. <laughs> demon, <laughs> the demon is expelled, uh-huh. right? So, yeah. obviously. And so, I mean, I had, you know. You got the devil in you. And actually, exorcism is, 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 is more Catholicism than anything else. Yes, it is. And, uh, but, uh, but that movie, for some reason, you know, sort of like sat with me like, you know, hey, there is that out there. Mm-hmm. I thought that movie was well done. I read the book first, too. I used to read the books before mm-hmm. I'd ever see the movies because, you know, <laughs> it, it's just the way it was. Yeah. Um, movies took a long time to get around to Jacksonville. But they uh, <laughs> that uh, that uh, those scenes in there, the levitation yeah. off that bed, yeah, the head spinning around. For that time, especially, 
that was extremely well done. Yeah, and it's supposed to be based on a real story, too, yes, right? Yes, right. Yeah, that was the other thing that kind of got me, yeah, you know, yeah. based on a real story. I wanted to, um, well, I shouldn't know. It. I, there was a movie that that reminded me yesterday. I said, I got to tell Rayford about this. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm going to look up the title at the break. But it was about uh, an early. You may know about it. I think it's something the, the the endeavor or something like that. But there was a there was a mission. Um, there was a, it was a sea mission to uh, to 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 go to Antarctica uh, on by boat and then land there and then walk across the continent. This is coming. I, I, I remember reading. And, uh, I'll get a little details to get the name of the movie, but uh-huh. it took it, it, the, the whole story takes over. I mean, these guys got basically caught up there, caught there, and to get back and to get to where they wanted to be took about fourteen, fifteen months. Mm-hmm. So they had to survive an entire winter there. Not a lot of and things to do there. They lost their boat, yeah. and uh, they had to get back by, you know, and they had to leave people behind. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, what a story. And, and there was so much about that story. I said, you know, Rayford would have an appreciation of this. I mean, the guy having to navigate based on, you know, just use the compass. And, and that and instinct, yes. And and maybe a little bit of the celestial stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, – I can't. That you talking about a survival story? That was unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back. We, you know, we had to, the, the bug is still here. The virus is still got, here. Yeah, we got something going on at three o'clock today. Yeah, uh, governor's going to be talking. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest came out yesterday. He was uh, uh, Moorhead City, I think, uh-huh. uh, yesterday. So he had a, a couple of comments too. So okay, we'll I hadn't heard about back. that. You're live and local. The New Talk ninety six three. Our number today is eight three three. Eight two five, five nine six three. There you go. You got it. Eight three three, eight two five, five nine six three. You're live and local on the new talk ninety six three. We'll be right back. Coming up after live and local, it's Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh. Now it's Rayford, Dee and Elliot on the new talk ninety six three. All right, it's not the Jerry Springer show today, is it? You want to fight? I got some notes after yesterday's show that uh, we were better than Jerry Springer. (laughs) I don't know that. uh, I don't think we were. That was our target. uh, But uh, you know, sometimes uh, passions uh, get high during this debate. Yep. Well, coming up, uh, uh, we have differences of opinion. Obviously, coming up right after the weather this morning, we're going to be talking with a uh, a doctor who kind of reached out. He's retired now and uh, wants to talk about. You know, things, anything from testing, which he has some thoughts about that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get his thoughts. He's, you know, much smarter than I am. I can tell you that. Um, so but he lives here in the East. Um, at Emerald Isle, I think he's retired at. Okay. So we'll be, we'll have him on the air live uh, coming up in about 10 minutes or so. So you can get some insight, some inside to thought processes of, of, of folks who have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. I like those kinds of people. What would you like to hear from the governor today? <sighs> you know, you and I agree. The state needs to, we'd love to be able to say, flip the switch and tomorrow morning at 08, 
Everybody come on out and have a good like, time. Like it was. Things before, are over. Before the yeah. thing started. If we could, you know, when my computer does a little flip-floppy thing like that and it picks up some stupid stuff, not viruses or anything necessarily, but when it just loses some programming and I don't have the same stuff that I had yesterday or last week, I can go back to that time, to the, uh, go back and recover. I can reset my computer. Mm-hmm. To yesterday or last week or last month, when everything was perfect on it, I can reset it to that. We don't have that luxury today. We cannot go back in time. We have no time machine and no reset. Would I like to? Absolutely. Um, if we could go back to last fall, perhaps, we might even and know what we know today, we might be able to prevent what we're going through today. But that's water over that dam, you know? It's over. What do we do now? I'm sure the guys in Raleigh, I'm sure the guys in in Washington are a lot smarter than I am. I'll give them that. I will trust them to make the best decisions that can be made. And I know what I can still do for me. I won't be the... The test dummy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you well, that right now. You know what I mean? Yeah i I thought that the uh, I thought that the president's plan that he released uh, from the task force struck about the struck good middle ground. Right. Uh, I thought when it came out, I was going like you know, and I and I've said this all along. I think that there were some mistakes made early in this, and I think there'll probably be a lot of political debate about that. Yes. Uh, but and that's okay. You let, they can hash that out later. I'm more con- I'm more focused on the here and now and saying because we're still right in the middle of this thing. We haven't gotten by it yet. Until we do, uh, you know, I'm I'm like let's 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 focus our energies on what we need to be focused on, right? But it, but but I thought that the president's guidelines were good. I said it when they came out. I say it today. They had some benchmarks in there. That I don't know that they have all been met in every state. The president came out yesterday, said that goofy guy down in Georgia uh, was all wrong. Did he call him a goofy guy? No, he didn't call him a goofy guy. But we know he is. He seems a little goofy to me. He is. Oh, he, he seems a little ill-informed. But the the president said he was moving too quick, too soon, too quickly, and too far. Uh, the president's plan is me- is measured. Um, I liked it. I think it was. It sort of takes us back to where. We need to be now. Now here's the thing: getting the, to me, we need to get back. We need to get fully open. You know, that's the thing. Once we start down this path, but I think we do have to take some steps and say, let's try this and see what's going to happen. Yep. And if nothing happens, then let's move forward, and then let's continue to move forward. So the idea is not to get back to these first steps. I mean, maybe everybody says, "Oh, there's going to be a new normal." Um, maybe, but you know, I would hope that we could be as back to normal as we can be once we get a lot of questions answered. There's still so much we don't know. Uh, we've talked we've talked here a lot about antibody testing, and I hope we can ask about that today. Yes. Uh, but the the fact of the That's matter is, the there's topics. some really question. There's some real big questions about antibody testing as it exists today. One is that some of these antibody tests. Do, do, are not directly matched to COVID-19. So they're kind of testing for something that is a whole lot like COVID-19 or is in the same family as COVID-19, but it's not exactly COVID-19. So 
Are you getting the right answer? The other thing, and this is a bigger question to me, is, uh, Rayford, we don't know yet, and this is a key question, is there what kind of immunity to COVID-19 is there? There is it short term, long term, no term. There may be it may be no immunity. It might be a different immunity for different people. We, Elliot, my wife can walk by three blocks away from poison ivy and go go home scratching. You know what I mean? There's going to be a breakout. My son-in-law, same thing. Uh, he needs a hazmat suit every time he gets in the yard if there happens to be any poison ivy or poison oak in the neighborhood. Me? I've never been allergic to it. Never had an issue with poison ivy. Well, I got some work for you then. No, I don't do other people's work like that. No. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Actually, I don't, have poison I, oak I don't, I need it. Tempt fate either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. But, you know, you never know because your, your immunities can change. Yeah. Your allergies true. can change. Oh, Lord. I, I had a, spi- I, I I had had a spider two, bite about, uh, oh God. about two, two about two decades ago now. Oh. And it changed my entire body chemistry. Did it? Things that never happened to me. I, like, like, I never had hives in my life. Uh-huh. After that, I would have, and I don't really have them now, but I, I went through a period of time, a long period of time, which I would. Wow. And, you know, it was just little things that you notice when yeah. you have... Spider bites. Yeah, well, I had like a spider that. bite. One of those little brown recluses, the yeah. juvenile brown recluse thing, and uh, I just, oh, I just blew it off. But and then the thing got kind of festered up there, and my doc down in Wilmington, he had to go in, put some needle there, and numb it up and scoop it out, basically. And same things happen with a tick bite. You know, yeah, tick bite that does can do the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, it can do the same thing yeah. to you. So, anyway. But 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 one one of the things there was a guest, and I and I'm sorry that I missed his name. It was a legislator. He's a doctor um, to. And Henry had him on earlier, and I thought the guy—I thought he made a tremendously uh, accurate point, and one that I wanted to make sure that I consider as well. And that is that the, when we went into this, uh, the initial plan, the initial reasoning for um, some of these lockdowns and some of these restrictions that are underway was to make sure we didn't flood the hospitals, and obviously that has not happened. Mm-hmm. So that, beyond anything, would be, look, you know, because I still don't know that we know everything there is to know in terms of uh, what the infections are going to be, who's going to be impacted. Look, there's a lot of people say, look, nobody is dying in North Carolina of young, of a young age. And, you know, the data support that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look what's going on in New York. Certainly that's not true there. It's the same thing, right? It's the same virus, but you've got other people dying. And middle age, you've got uh, people that are being severely uh, impacted. Yes. Even if they're not de- dead, even if they're not dying, they're being impacted in a severe way. And a lot of those are healthcare workers yes. that are that are you know on the front lines. And so, you know, I, I do agree that that you know there's a lot of, there's there's information about certain things, but you know I'm I'm sort of like I haven't gotten past protecting everybody as much as we can mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't want to use you and me as the expendables i don't i don't think to, we have an expendable part of our population that, that's un-american to me it, it, it's it's un it's inhuman not just un-american it's inhuman okay we'll take a break we're going to talk with dr tom knipe when we come back here live and local on the new talk 96.3 Take the show anywhere you go. Get us online anytime at talk963.com. Rafer, Didi, and Elliot. This is Live and Local on the New Talk 96.3. 
You know, warnings in effect uh, will go into effect this afternoon through Friday morning. Winds out of the south around 10 knots today, increasing 25 to 35 later. Two to three footers this morning, building to 46 this afternoon. Dominant period, five seconds. Southwesterly winds tomorrow, 20 to 25. Gust up to 35 seas, 7 to 10 feet, 6 to 8 near shore. Sounds and rivers tomorrow, rough. Easterly winds on Saturday, 10 to 15 seas, 3 to 5. Parts and more parts waiting for you at Tideline Marine. Take advantage of rough seas and get your boat and fishing gear in shape. The ocean will get flat again, just in time for Spanish mackerel. Heard by report of the first black drum caught this year, several small ones and one nice keeper. Tideline Marine has three factory trained and certified technicians to help you. There are also two staffers on board who are charter captains with lots of advice, whether it's offshore, nearshore, or inshore. These guys have advice you should take advantage of. Tideline Marine, 159 Old Bridge Street on the banks of the New River in Jacksonville. A chance of showers, thunderstorms possible late this afternoon. Breezy, cloudy, 72. Tonight, breezy, showers likely and possibly a thunderstorm, cloudy and 65. Friday, breezy. A chance of showers ending early morning, partly sunny, 81. And the wind will continue. Partly cloudy, 55 Friday night. Slight chance of showers uh, around midday. Then a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Mostly sunny and 60, uh, 75 on Saturday. We're back. It's 831. And joining us on the phone right now, Dr. Tom Knight. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Uh, we're doing fine here. How's the weather uh, there at Emerald Isle? Oh, it's very mild this morning. We're on the sound, and the yes. uh, ocean's going to be a little bit rough today, as you said. Yeah, but right. we're ready for it. Hey, Listen, yeah. I, I've got some uh, notes on some things here, and I, I think we sort of wanted to talk about testing we do. Uh, for the coronavirus. So if you want me just to kind of launch into this thing and get started, uh, I can make about uh, oh, probably five-minute presentation, so then we can do some talking back and forth if you want to. We're waiting. Okay. Let me just tell you that uh, bacteria and rickettsia and viruses that attack us are all the microscopic things, and those things are determined in their categories by their size. Bacteria can be seen under a microscope. Uh, the larger ones, rickettsia, that cause things like Rocky Mountain spotted fever uh, and the tick-borne diseases are intermediate size. They are easy to de- determine. But then the smallest ones of these organisms is a virus. And viruses cannot be seen with the ordinary microscope. They have to be studied with an electron microscope. And I want to tell you that the virologists uh, who do this kind of manipulation is stuff are really special people. They have to move these things around with a light beam. They can't reach in and touch them. Uh, They learn to study these uh, viruses, and there are lots of them and lots of research going on all over the world. At the present time, we have about 97 uh, testing labs that are set up by the health departments over our country that are functioning presently to be able to do COVID uh, testing. And as you know, COVID stands for Corona. VI is for virus and D is for disease, the coronavirus disease, COVID-19, the year it was identified. So testing uh, right now involves two uh, categories. Uh, One of these is called a PCR, and everybody knows that it's going to be common knowledge now. Those letters stand for polymerase chain reaction testing. And I'd like to say just enough about that to let you know that this is not like a litmus paper that you stick in a chemical and see if it's uh, acid or base, or, or like a pregnancy test that you check and immediately can tell if hormones are there to see if pregnancy is available. So it's a chemical reaction that is 
really pretty complicated uh, because it's a chain reaction that even in the machines that are made to do this thing, uh, it's not simple at all. The chemicals uh, used to identify the RNA, RNFs, the RNA is transcribed to DNA in this chemical reaction, and the DNA is put in a machine with chemicals, which is heated and cooled, and then the DNA is copied, and these particles are seen similar to a virus that is the one that's being studied by certain chemicals. And these chemicals are put in a machine, and then if the particles that it's designed to test for, it fluoresces and causes a light emission of sorts that a machine picks up and says, yep, got virus there. I'm going to tell you, this is a very complicated thing. I think people who say test, 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 everybody, test, everybody, we're not there yet. You know, what you have to know is that, I was speaking a little bit to this in a minute about serologic testing, uh, is that uh, it took years to develop a test that was uh, had a, a good penetrance or uh, accuracy for HIV. Years, years to work on that. So we're just now in working in a virus that's never been worked on before, and this has gotten to be uh, a real talking point of people pointing their fingers, we should be testing, we should be testing. And ideally, that's true, and I think we need to do more testing, and we will be doing more testing. But when this, uh, the PCR is the nasal swab test that you know about. And this was first uh, started out by the uh, CDC, and they thought they were going to be able to jump on this and produce the, the PCR test, but theirs failed. They're, they failed so miserably that, that they realized they needed help. So the FDA actually passed an emergency use authorization, which is awfully, awfully uncommon for them to do stuff like that, to let things be tested and worked on in outside labs without as much over site as they would like to have. So they turned this out to private industry to start developing these PCR tests. And these tests uh, have developed uh, somewhat differently in different labs as a part of the virus is being identified in some machines and another part in another. And what you have to know is that a PCR only detects active disease. It detects the presence of the virus in somebody's nasal pharynx. And uh, and we have to know that the nasal pharynx and the mouth is a passageway of these things to us. Uh, But we need testing and, and we need quick testing. Uh, you know that there's always this criticism by everybody about everything, and one of those has been that the testing has been so slow. But this is an emerging science right now, right before our eyes, and something that's absolutely awesome to behold as it's being developed. But if we had a quick testing uh, and a person was negative that day, they could go on to work and be comfortable in knowing that they weren't going to spread the disease. Doctors and nurses would be able to continue their work. And if, pos- and if positive, then we could isolate these people and check their contents, uh, you know, contacts and be able to really make some progress. Uh, actually, Abbott Labs is shipping uh, uh, test materials and machines uh, at the presently. They're being passed uh, out and sold and delivered that will do a five-minute test on this for the PCR. But let's say a few words about one of the hot topics that people want to talk about that most of us don't know much about is a serologic testing. And, and that's a blood test. They take a sample of your blood and they test this 
person's blood for antibodies. That's when the person's body has, uh, his immune reaction has kicked into place uh, when he was exposed to this virus and got sick, uh, whether he was a little bit sick or a lot sick, they eventually developed uh, uh, antibodies for this. Uh, this test has been touted all over the world. In fact, the United Kingdom thought it was such a big thing when Boris, when their uh, top fellow got sick and they ordered three and a half million uh, antibody uh, serologic tests from all over the world and found out that most of them are not accurate enough to be used. They were turning out to be 30, 40 percent positive. But with the test like this, if you're going to count on it, it really needs to have about 99 percent perfection because a, a poor test is worse than no test in this instance. So uh, this will likely come along and it's being worked on and uh, it's it's really going to be important, I think, here again to check health care workers to see if their immunity is up to par. And at this point, we don't know. There's so much that we don't know about this virus. And one of those is the fact that uh, antibodies uh, sometimes in some people don't even develop until eight or 10 days uh, into their illness. So if you check these people too early and try to give them a passport to say that they're negative, they might not be. And individuals who are tested negative uh, would be able to move around and socialize and not have to uh, socially distance themselves so much. And those who've been sick uh, might be able to help others by doing what's called the convalescent plasma treatment. Uh, that's when they take blood from a person who has antibodies, who's had the disease, and give those particles to somebody who's sick to let their body use them to try to fight the disease. That's actually being done. That was developed back in the days of uh, H1N1, the swine flu stuff, and it was used effectively um, not everywhere in the world, but in places where they could do that and had the technology to, to do that. that. That's not something that you run down to the drugstore and get, you know, and, and use. But rapid testing for antibodies uh, is being developed. They're working on this particularly Mount Sinai in New York and the Mayo Clinic, and they're doing some really, really good work. And they're uh, almost ready, I think, to put some of this stuff out for public use. Uh, Doctor, one, one company is developing a test strip much like the pregnancy test, and, and that's going to be a point of contact, really uh, easy test if it is developed. That that's a question we've had on our minds here too. Uh, there are three hundred and twenty Amer three hundred and twenty million Americans. Okay, uh, e even if we had a vaccine today, how long if we if it could be developed and and mass produced or whatever, how long would it take to vaccinate three hundred and twenty million people? Uh, it, we could get it done, uh, but I, it's just not practical yet. And I think my message on this program today would be to remind all of us of the of the lack of knowledge we have at this point uh, yeah. you know it's we're accustomed to pointing our fingers at this not happening this not happening this not happening it's got to unfold and the story has got to be told uh, it just can't uh, you can't push it you can't rush it um, so it's just um, i think that's one of the biggest messages we all need to know when uh Doctor, when we hear about the um, the antibody test and the results of uh, of some of the things that we're hearing, say out of the stand, let's talk about the Stanford study a minute, uh, where they talked about that the, the percentage of people uh, that perhaps have been uh, 
uh, infected by the virus. I guess that's the right word. Uh, yes. But but the people that have it are it may be much higher than what we know, and that would change all the percentages, all the ratios, per, perhaps some even some of the predictions about the impact that this may have on us. Is that how did how did that information strike you? How did that uh, how does that uh, play with you? And you know, does it raise more questions or does it answer some? Well, I think uh, I think the fact that it uh, causes questions to come up is a good thing. It's just absolutely necessary that we uh, make a model. Uh, you know, the first models on this thing were terribly wrong and out, but they were mathematical yeah. models. And then when they put in the fact of social distancing and the, the, the different parameters we did to try to keep this from transmitting, those numbers have come down and down and down, and that's a good thing. And I. I love the fact that it all, that there may be uh, 50 people infected that we don't even know about out there who have some immunity, and that's what we really want. And the fact yes, that it, it does happen is not a point of anybody's ignorance. It, it's just we're just learning about this thing. There's no way to know all about this disease and know what it's going to do, and so we're just we're having to feel our way along on this thing. We're uh, we're told that it does not like heat. I assume that uh, that's a, a pretty accurate. Uh, uh, yeah, let me assumption. make a note on. Let me make a comment about that. That yes. in uh, uh, in one of the big hospitals out west, they are doing a study. Uh, it's in Utah, I think. Uh, just on that, they are trying to decide what the effect on heat and the weather and humidity is having on this virus, mm-hmm. and uh, that's going to be important. Now, uh, let me make a comment about a virus so that you kind of understand. Viruses uh, can live on a surface around your house or the doorknobs or the the, uh, grocery cart or whatever, but not for very long. And we don't know how long this virus does, but that's being worked on. Those details will come out, but nobody knows that yet. But the virus, in order to survive and replicate, must be intracellular. The a definition of a virus is it is an obligate intracellular organism. It cannot live on the surface of your skin and make you sick. It has to get inside of your cells, inside those cells, and it's small enough to do that, and, and use your cellular mechanism and the juice that you got in there, the things that make yours work, for it to work and to replicate itself. So the research on the uh, antibodies and stuff is resulting in trying to find what uh, causes this, this this virus to fall apart or not be able to replicate. Can you believe that they actually have made already, already in this research, they've made replicas of the same chemical compound of the corona COVID-19 virus and been able to put inside of it stuff that can live so that they can study that and see what makes it stop and fall apart. Hmm. It's just, it blows my mind that the, te- the technologists involved in some of this stuff. Well, we got some smart people out there. Yeah. Absolutely. And we got to depend on them. Um, I would tell you uh, who no, am I speaking to? Rayford, is that you? Can I ask you a quick question? That's Elliot talking now. Oh, Elliot, yeah. sure. Go ahead. Uh, uh, let me ask you a quick question here, and that is that you know you talked about, and, and I know the governor of North Carolina is supposed to talk today at three o'clock to let us know what the plan going forward might be. I know the the word is that he's going to put a lot of emphasis on testing, 
Um, but certainly from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like we're going to be far enough along with testing that, I mean, there's a lot of people that think, think that, hey, you know, look at the situation that we're in now. We need to go ahead and move forward with opening up parts of the economy, loosening parts of some of the personal restrictions that we have. Uh, we're obviously not going to be as far along as any of us want to be, but it, can the case be made that, hey, you know, as we continue to work on uh, testing, as we continue to work on treatment, as we continue to work on vaccine, that we can at least look at the numbers and know that it's safe enough to, to, to go out and try to start regaining some of our lives again. Yeah, well, I think we're not anywhere near ready on that testing level yet. And that's not a point of criticism for anybody. It's just a point that that stuff has got to be worked out, and it hasn't been. It takes time. It takes a lot of people working on it. But I think you're exactly right. I think we're not at the point that we can uh, absolutely rely on anything to tell us what to do. We're just going to have to make judgments. We're going to have to make decisions. And uh, I would just let me read just a a brief comment by one of my surgical colleagues in that uh, practices in Iowa City. And she's a woman. She's a retired professor of surgery. And she makes the point that every place in this country is different. We will be participating in little experiments until we figure this thing out. Some of the experiments will work. Some, unfortunately, may not. Some may lead to a second wave. But if we continue to share our knowledge, problems, and points of view, we can figure this thing out. We'll need all our faith and integrity and all the help we can get from science and from divine providence. And with that, we'll get through this. I think that's pretty well said. I, I like it. Well I like it very much. Yeah. Dr. Knight, thank you for taking the time to spend some time with us this morning. Very enlightening. You're very well, I know very a whole much. lot more about this that, than uh, I knew before. That, that objectivity that comes from uh, the medical science. Yes, from experts. There yeah. you go. Dr. Tom I love Knight. you guys, and thanks a so, bunch. Thank okay. you, sir. Bye-bye. 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 Let's take a quick break here. You're live and local, the new talk, 96.3. We'll be right back. Here we go. Rafer, Dede, and Elliot. This is live and local on the new talk, 96.3. And we're back. Dr. Knight there. It was a, that was a lot of very good information without a lot of political um, meandering. Filler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the thing to me that I took most out of that was that the, you know, Whereas we hear a lot from uh, mostly people from the, the medical side of things uh, that, you know, and like the governor today is expected to put a big emphasis on testing. And there are tests that are out there that are being conducted and we're getting information. However, uh, the tests aren't answering all the questions that we have. They're still working on tests. The antibody tests are the ones that strike me. Those are the ones I put a lot of hope on. I'm hoping. Uh, because uh, they're going to show us, uh, to some extent, if we have uh, the kind of immunity we need uh, to be able to open things up fully. You know, I mean, to, mm-hmm. to, to a large extent. Mm-hmm. To, see, I don't, to me, it's not a matter of just doing these little things. I want to get to the big stuff. I want to get to where we're, we're, we're you know, where <clears throat> this thing is kind of behind us. It may not. It may be like the flu. It may never be completely behind us, but to the point where it doesn't affect us on a day-to-day level. Uh, but but you know, until we get some of these testing questions answered, some of these testing imperfections worked mm-hmm. out, uh, we're simply not going to be there. And and uh, so what he was saying was, you know, there's going to have to be some things that we're just going to have to decide. Yeah. And and and, and then be willing to observe the re- repercussions and. Maybe if we have to redecide, we'll redecide. But 
I, I, I appreciate that. I think that's exactly where we are right now. It is, and uh, we're, we're going to get through it. We're going to get around it. We're going to deal with it. I have no doubt about it. Um, will we be stronger or, or more, more cautious? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Well, what, after this? Well, you know, I do think that we will understand going into any situation now mm-hmm. that uh, I hope that we've learned that we don't, you know, it seems like it took us a long time to get going on this. And maybe there needs to be ongoing activity in which we would not have to gear up where again. We, where our labs here need to be doing the research. Right, right. Don't count on, on anybody other. else. They are way too self-serving, way too defensive. Um, yeah, we need, to, we need to be self-serving. There's also been enough, <clears throat> even, even within the United States, mm-hmm. There have been enough different approaches to this that we can study and say, okay, this approach seemed to work yep. and this approach didn't work. You know, I, I've often asked the question, and I don't know that, and I'm sure that there'll be papers written on this, books written on this, oh, probably yes. volumes, about why New York? Why New York City? What were all the factors? I mean, we know New York is an international city, right? A lot of people coming in, a lot sure. of people going out. We know it's a densely, cra- populated. densely populated area, so the so the idea of uh, of separation is not going to go over very easily or well. So we know that the, all those things, but I, I'd like to see somebody, you know. But by the same token, what's happening in New York? You've talked about the numbers every day. I do. And look at the numbers. About, it's a uh, huge part of what's uh, going on in the United States. A third, about a third, I haven't looked at it right now, but I, yeah. I, I generally speak it, about a third of all of the cases and about 40% of all the fatalities are in the great state of and New even York. Other, and most of those are occurring in the city. It, and there you go, because even in other states, even in states where you have a big, big problem, a lot of times the big numbers are coming from one place in that state. Mecklenburg. Washington. Mecklenburg, Mecklenburg Wake, Wake here. And now Wayne. And then Louisiana's got New Orleans and things like that. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. The, the judge down in a county in Texas, she took it upon herself to make it illegal for people not to wear a mask in public for the next 30 days. And she's catching a whole lot of flack about that, too, as she should. Ultimate government overreach is what most people are calling it. And I agree. You're live and local on the New Talk 96.3. We'll be right back. Ninety-six-three WRHT, Moorhead City, New Bern, Jacksonville. Getting your day started with Rayford, Dee Dee, and Elliot. This is live and local on the new Talk ninety-six-three. And welcome back. Uh, our number, if you want to yeah. join us, we have nothing scheduled for the next hour, so feel free to do so. Eight three three. 825-5963. I'll be the referee. <laughs> 833-825-5963, or maybe the enforcer. A um, couple of things. The lieutenant governor, who is uh, the Republican gubernatorial uh, candidate uh, here in North Carolina, Dan Forrest, uh, he had some comments yesterday. He was in the, uh, in the East, in Moorhead City, presenting some money. I think actually presenting some of his campaign money was redirected to some some organizations that need some help there mm-hmm. and uh, so he did that that's that interesting interesting move he did um 
he was asked about, you know, is it time to reopen the state? And so he had some comments. Life goes on for people while you're fighting anything, whether it's a natural disaster or, you know, we have tornadoes or hurricanes that come through here. Obviously, almost yearly, it seems like now, people's lives need to get back up and running as fast as possible. It seems like when people ask questions and ask for information, uh, somehow everybody wants you to shut up. You, you can't ask for information. Don't ask for more data. More data is good. And... I, he didn't say, yes, let's open it up. But I think he's getting a little tired of, like some of us are, we want to know more than we're being told. The uh, that, That's been a common theme during this, is mm-hmm. that you know, not enough information uh, coming from the governor's office to justify some of the decisions Correct. that have been made. Um, the... Um, and you know, and that and and the letters that were that have been sent, um, you know, one there's a couple. Of, the letters have gone in a couple of directions. Okay, one the legend letter, letters that were sent by the uh, state senators, including our Harry Brown, uh, and and some folks to the to Cooper's office, basically says, look, you got to give us more information, mm-hmm. more data. We're not getting enough to justify the positions that you staked out. Yeah, justify what you know. It, 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 there's nothing wrong with asking somebody to justify what they're doing, mm-hmm. is there? Not ju- the words "trust me" are two awful words to be using in a case like this. JJ, good morning. How are you? Hey there, hey there, my buddy Rayford. I'm sitting in downtown Maysville today. Maysville. <laughs> You're just getting around yeah, there, JJ. I get around. <laughs> Watch for the traffic. Yeah, like, hey, when you, hey, traffic ain't no traffic. People just do what they got to do. <laughs> I was just kidding you. He was being a little bit facetious, <laughs> JJ. Ah, hey, I, I got him. I got him. Me and him about the same age. I understand him. And that's it. He went to Carolina where he shouldn't have went, but that's where you know how it goes. <laughs> Look, uh, we had, you know, one more death in Jones County, and uh, the gentleman come to find out he's from my area, and uh, – I, I knew him. He was 90 years old, yeah. and everything's coronavirus-related. 90 years old, uh, he lived a long time. Wish he could live to be 100, but uh, that doctor you had on a while ago explained it as good as anybody ever has. Yes, yeah. sir, he did. For, 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 I mean, for slow-thinking people like me, he was good. Well, it, you know, rocket scientists can be helped by another rocket scientist. I call <laughs> that third eye. <laughs> And uh, everybody's got a third eye like they got something else, you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and the same thing when you work with the, with the sewer business. When you work with the sewer business, you always wonder about, you know, AIDS came along and everybody's worried about that and everything. And uh, it's not only getting to be a problem with, uh, you know, with the first responders getting all the stuff they need. The utilities workers are having trouble getting, you know, gloves and PPE and all that stuff because it's going through the first responders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use PPE all along, you know, r- rubber gloves and right. and those kind of items, and you can't find them on the shelf, and they're hard to go on. And everybody says, well, they're going to the first responders. And uh, yeah. that's where they need to go, but uh, we also use them regularly anyway. Well, there are a lot of people besides day. first responders, like the utility workers and others Correct. that are out there, and you're, you're meeting with people. Sometimes you have to go to doors. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. You're exactly right. Yeah. Well, you do when you have a when you when your lateral stops up leaving your house going to the sewer system. The first person you call is utility department because they got to fix everything. Yes, they do. And you know you don't want them to walk up with no gloves on. So we're having to use uh, some of these rubber coated gloves. 
and that's not yeah. a good thing to use because we usually just use them and throw them away. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, well, I'm glad the fella explained that better. Um, I mean, maybe the president needs to sit down and give the reporters a lesson on exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> um, he, ought to, he ought to really they, take this. As, yeah, if they were really as smart as they would, they'd know more about it than, you know, what the actual virus calls for because, like, this testing – uh, I didn't realize, and I knew testing was a lot because uh, I when I worked at uh, Cherry Point, we had a utilities lab that run mass spectrometers and all those kind of things, and it's hard to you know even check it in water and to find out what's going on. So it takes mm-hmm. a specialized piece of equipment. It does. You know, it's not like doing a blood test in the morning for your sugar level. You know, stick something here and there, you got a number. So yeah, uh, I appreciate you putting that fellow on because he was. You need to get him a little more. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Hey, hey. I think he, the way he could explain things. I mean, you, have, you kind of have to stick with it, but you know, when you do, it's yeah. worthwhile. Yeah, he's a he, he's a really good man. I can tell you that, and a very brilliant uh, man too. I'm, I'm gonna give you one of these things. I'm gonna let that other fellow that comes on, that Doug fellow that knows everything, and that other fellow that knows everything that didn't know Doug know. I'll let them talk the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JJ, thank you, sir. Thank we you appreciate for your time. it. Yes, sir. You take care. Let's go ahead and get our break out of the way here. You're live and local, the New Talk 96.3. If you want to chat, 833-825-5963. I've got time to do it slow again. 833-825-5963. You're live and local on the New Talk 96.3. We'll be right back. Back to the show. Rafer, Judy, and Elliot. This is live and local on the New Talk 96.3. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, questions. Uh, we, we are right back. Sorry. We are right that. back. I was going to say, <laughs> I, what, uh, I, 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 I thought I was in a time warp. I hadn't got my brain engaged again yet. <laughs> um, a gentleman sent me a, a message. said, do you think that how we are using social distancing, mask, and isolation for COVID-19 will be used in the future for dealing with future flu seasons? Here's my thought. I, I watch, I see videos, and I have for years, and pictures uh, from, I guess, mainly Asian countries, mm-hmm. where people have been wearing masks for, what you're for saying, years. What you're saying is already years. been done. It's been it's kind of like the thought. norm, right? Yeah, yeah. In these places, we here, I I, I, I kind of put it like hurricanes. Um, we had Florence a couple of years ago. Last year we had one. It wasn't as bad as Florence, but we are all gun shy, right? We're thinking about it. We get we make preparations. We do a lot of different things at the beginning of hurricane season for about two seasons until we don't have a hurricane for two years. If we don't have a hurricane for two years, we become the most laid back, don't worry about it, I'll put it off, no need to take any precautions, right? You let us go through two years, and and this year we'll probably have a lot of folks wearing masks for the rest of this year and and into the flu season. And if that's the case, there's a good chance that we will not have the uh, 60, 80,000 people who are killed. The the average runs between 12 and 20,000 per year. Last year, or I think it was 17, 18 flu season, there were a lot more killed in this country. But you let us get back down to where it's six or eight or 9,000 people who die in a year, the following year, 
all bets are off. We won't be practicing any of the social distancing or anything else. That's what I think well, about uh, us me, in this country. Well, let me let me just say this about the uh, about one of the things regarding the flu. Forty percent of forty percent of the people every year don't get a flu vaccine vaccination. Correct. It's about sixty forty is where it, where it falls. I think that's a little high. I think it's probably fifty or maybe more. They do not get it. But the but the official numbers are sixty get it, forty don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going people. There are people that do not believe in vaccinations. Correct. The anti-vaxxers. Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I my, I do I do believe in vaccinations. I believe if something's out there that I can. That you I remember polio? I do. I'm going to take advantage of it. Uh, so, you know, and, I, and, and it does take a leap of faith to some extent. You have to have trust in the people that are offering it to you, but you have to have trust in your medical folks anyway. So the first thing that needs to happen this year, this year, is going to be uh, – but, you know, the other the other thing that would would never hurt us, Rayford, mm-hmm. is that when we – we all know – we all know when the flu is going around, don't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. back when I was running the paper, and uh, all you'd have to do would be to look at the empty desk yeah. that were then in your newsroom or in your advertising department, and so-and-so and so-and-so is out sick, and, you know, three or four days later, they come back, uh, you know, and then a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, I'm guilty. I was guilty. I would. I would think that I could go and I, what I would do is go sit in my like. Let's say I, I don't know that I had the flu that much, but I certainly had colds. Yeah, I'd go sit in my office and lock the and close the door, hope that people wouldn't come in and probably contaminated the heck out of a lot of people because I didn't go stay home. You know, mm-hmm. so there's an understanding now that you know you need during that time that you're sick, stay home, and I think more employers. We were at the paper when you, you know you ran when you ran a media operation. Um, the paper didn't the stories didn't write themselves. Uh, when you have a limited number of staff, uh, and you know you got to get people in there to do the work, right? You've got to so, turn so you, out a product. And, and I felt the same way. I mean, you know, uh, I don't I don't know how many years there were people that could do the editorial page. Uh, you know, when Madison and Cindy were working over there and doing what they did, mm-hmm. uh, they could take time out of their day and uh, and knock it out. Uh, you know, I probably, uh, but you know, I felt like nobody else could do it but me. That's not true. And uh, you know, other people. So that's something we'll learn. Stay at home. Don't be contagious. Don't pass it along. There, there, there will be things that we learn from this that will help us with things like influenza. I, I know there will be, and you know, and part of that may be what you were asking, wearing the the, the, the I don't know about personal distancing because that's a, you know, that's a, something that you've really got to think about every day, I, every I, time you go out. Yeah, you do, and but 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 but, but like we're putting on a mask and going to the store, I can see a lot more people doing that in the future. I can too, particularly for this coming season, yeah. this coming flu season, and then again here, but I. If we do that in this country and the number of flu cases and the number of flu deaths drop dramatically, I don't think that the people will continue doing it. They only react to threats of death or threats of serious cases of flu or coronavirus or whatever. If we had reacted in the beginning like we're doing right now, Back in January, February, 
we wouldn't be where we are today, I don't think. Bob, good morning. Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Hello, Bob. How are you? Good morning. Fine. I've l- listen, though, guys. I've I've uh, uh, I've been uh, where I could look. Uh, talk to y'all lately, <laughs> but uh, I've listening to my my thing is this. Uh, I think that we have to get back to what we in the United States call society. I think the number one thing that we're going to have to have is just like for the flu, just like for the polio, we have got to come up with an inoculation that stops it at least for that year. Um, that's To me, that's the key to the whole thing. But in the meantime, we can't just totally shut down the United States until we get that. Of course not. So I'm in favor. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, no, I, no. I I just agree with you. Uh, of course not. We can't just shut down and stay shut down until we get this uh, uh, vaccine. So, but uh, um, as far as uh, the masks and all, it's like anything else. Um, it, leave it up to the individual. There's a couple of things that has nothing to do with my feeling for or against the president. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I just watched yesterday again, and I. And it's so aggravating to me for the president, a spokesman, to get up and say, we probably won't even have anything for blah, blah, blah. His doctors get up and say, we will, we definitely will. And then Mike Pence get up and try to play a middleman and try to make it sound like both sides is right. <laughs> I, there's no doubt in my mind that that this is going to be an ongoing thing. And uh, I, I years ago I started taking the flu shot because I had the early experience in '65 where the army made me take it the first time in life I ever caught the flu. Uh, so, <laughs> but I've found out that you know there's other differences. Uh, but anyway, all I'm saying is, guys, uh, I'm in favor of going back. I'm in favor of having if you're going over if you're going to open the barber shops and beauty shops, certainly I'm gonna be the ladies that cut my hair and I need it now. <laughs> but I'm gonna be one of them is gonna be close to me. Um mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they uh, we 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 need a, uh, the testing more, but I'm assuming that they are clear and I'm clear, you know. Um but I'm I mean uh my, my thing is, uh, I think it's going to be a big change anyway. As long as we think it's possible that somebody's walking around with the virus, I don't see, as good as, as good as any restaurant is, how we can open buffets. I mean, that, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bob, you know, Bob, Elliot, this Elliot. You, what you're talking yeah. about, what you're talking about is confidence. you got to be confident when you go out that, you know, you're not stepping into a dangerous situation. Uh, that to me is what you that what we have to offer right now because there there's no assurances that we can offer. Okay, we can't. But can we build right. a situation in which people feel confident that their the risk have been minimized and they can go about and do their do their do their business? I, I think that's the yeah. key. We we can we can play a society version of Russian roulette. There's only one live bullet in the gun. 
but we want to make sure that's not the cylinder set when it fires at us. There uh, you go. Uh, but but, uh, but I've, I've really thought about this thing with buffets and all. Um, the big difference I see is the survival rate and the use of ventilators is much less with people even when they catch the flu than it's been with this virus. Now, I didn't have to monitor a working group of people, as y'all know who I represent and everything. I've been, uh, and we have been very successful between our employer and our workers and our employee organizations, and we have had excellent, compared to the thousand, hundreds of thousands of people involved, we have had excellent, uh, compared to most places, uh, our workers have had excellent low numbers in, uh, in the problem and all. And we hope that continues. Now, we put up, we have put up at where there's retail customers contact, we have put up barriers in one thing and another. But uh, early on, uh, we we're ahead of the curve on disinfecting, uh, uh, checking out machinery to make uh, uh, make sure what it was and all. But anyway, guys, I know I've run past all right. normal time. But, uh, hey, Bob, thank you, uh, sir. Yeah. You be safe. Yeah, you guys. No, thank you. Uh, Doug, I know you're there. Just hang on the line. We've got to take a break, do some weather, and we'll be back to you. You're up first. You're live and local on the New Talk 96.3. Back to Rayford, Dee Dee, and Elliot. This is live and local on the New Talk 96.3. Gale warning will go into effect this afternoon. We'll last through tomorrow. Southerly winds around 10 knots increasing to 25 to 35. Seas 2 to 3, building to 4 to 6 this afternoon. Dominant period 5 seconds tomorrow. Winds out of the southwest at 20 to 25 knots, some gusts to 35. Big seas, 7 to 10. Big seas near shore, 6 to 8. Sounds and rivers, rough. Saturday, easterly winds, 10 to 15. Seas, 3 to 5. Tideline Marine has got parts and more parts waiting for you. Take advantage of the rough seas offshore and get your boat and your fishing gear in shape. The ocean will get flat again and just in time for Spanish mackerel. Um, heard of first report of a black drum being caught yesterday and uh for this year and i caught several but all were too small to keep except one that's good elliot i like black drum anybody got any or a red drum either way i make fish too several some tie-dye marine has three factory trained and certified technicians to help you there are also two guys on the uh, staff who are charter captains, and they got lots of advice if you want it. Whether it's offshore, nearshore, or inshore, these guys have advice you should take advantage of. It's free. Tideline Marine, 159 Old Bridge Street, on the banks of the New River in Jacksonville. There is a chance of showers with thunderstorms possible late afternoon. Breezy, cloudy, 72. Breezy showers likely and possibly a thunderstorm overnight, cloudy and 65. Wind continues on Friday, a chance of showers ending early morning, partly sunny and 81 degrees tomorrow, partly cloudy, 55 tomorrow night. Slight chance of showers um, between uh, early morning up to around midday on Saturday. Then a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms after two, mostly sunny and 75. You were back and Doug's on the line. Good morning, Dougie. What's up? Well, I wanted to uh, play off of what Rayford just said a moment ago. Uh, he spoke up and said that if we were doing what we're doing now a few months ago, we wouldn't be in the place that we're, we're in now. Mm-hmm. And, and he's 100% correct about that. And what really bothers me about these people who are in a hurry to open up, there's two things that really bother me about them. <laughs> the first one is they can't acknowledge that, that social distancing has worked. 
In fact, Dennis came on the radio a couple of weeks ago and said, well, we, could, we only know the path that we're on. There's no way to know the path that, that, that we could have taken if other things would have happened. fact is, they want to compare this to some flu that happened a few years ago and say, well, there was 80,000 deaths and we didn't shut anything down and we only have 47,000 deaths now, so what's the big deal? Don't compare it to the 80,000. Compare it to the projected 2 million. And at the end of the day, you've got to ask them, do you believe that it has worked and it's lessened the situation? And they will tell you, no, it hasn't. It hasn't. I, we, there's no way we can know. There's no, And that's what we're really in jeopardy of. These people who are going to Raleigh and these are people who are protesting don't believe the warnings and don't believe that... Um, that what we've done has lessened the damage here. And that's what we're fighting against, is people who cannot accept the information coming in front of them. The reason they cannot accept it, personal opinion, which is mostly what I say, is because they don't know anybody who's got it or nobody who has died yet. That's well, true. I, I, no, I think there's something else there, and that is that we don't have all the answers. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And Doug, you you got to admit that's a big part of it. Um, we don't you know. know what we don't know, but do you believe this is working? I mean, this is this is no, this I, is I, the CDC putting up forward, and and Trump's. This is a lot of these guidelines are coming right from the White House that the states are following. Yes. And I'm saying, you know, I mean, you either believe you either believe what the forecast was, or you don't. And do you believe that the hurricane is heading to your town enough to pack up the car and to go someplace, or you don't? Yeah. And and the other thing that worries me about them, you heard Joe McLaughlin say, all of them have said it, Dee Dee, Joe, Dennis have said it on their own, that they feel in some way, shape, or form that they're immune to it. Joe talked about, oh, I'm in good shape, so even if I get this, Dee Dee has talked about she believes she had this a few months ago, so she believes she's immune. Dennis has talked about he's in good shape, so if he gets it, it won't be a big deal. Let me tell you, you, that may mean you may survive it, but but talk to people who got this and survived. This is not a walk in the park. <laughs> this is a horrible thing, and this belief that you're immune from it is... I just see the people protesting, and I see this magical thinking they've engaged in, and it's the scariest part of this. I don't think this has anything to do with liberty. This has nothing to do with what they're claiming. I think this is 90% politics. I think these people are looking at this and thinking, boy, if the economy stays this bad, our party has a, has a, a, a bad chance of winning. And so we need to open up the economy now, hoping that it'll be rolling around in November. I think this is all political. It's not about liberty. And don't let them tell you that it is. Well, I, you know, I'm going to give them a bit of, bit of I'm going to give them a benefit of the doubt on that. I do think that there's some people that are concerned. I think there's Doug. I think there are three levels about this. Three, three big. One is the people that say, does the government even have a right under our constitution to do what it's done? And you know, I, I you and I probably, I, I answer that maybe different than you do, and maybe different from the way they look at it. I say yes because it's public health. And because it's public health, that does affect our personal rights. Uh, we have a right to have our health protected. Okay, but but they have other answers to that. I think the other thing is that people have questioned, and I, like I say, there's a lot of things we don't know. But one of those is whether or not these precautions are, are doing what we think they do. I mean, you know, when I go out, Doug, I, I see a lot of folks. Uh, not taking the precautions, not taking the distancing. I, I wonder, has there been, are we sort of patting ourselves on the back a little too much? Or is the, well, what I we've done the really been effect, is, in effect? Huh? The answer to that, to me, comes from China. 
where they've opened things up and they realize they've opened it up too soon and now they're having to close down gyms again because they've gotten a second wave of this stuff. This week they announced that gyms and other other places like restaurants will have to close down again in Beijing for the second time because they admit they opened it up too soon. We have we we have examples of places in populated areas uh, that haven't closed down and the ramifications that they have. We have place, examples of places that have opened up too soon and then have regretted it. So it's not like this is uh, – we do know the unknown a little bit because people have gone before us. And watch China and watch how they're closing down again to let you see what happens if you open up too early. Well, that's something that I've talked about a bit on here and in other circles – if we open it up, right? Let's just take this. I don't even know what opening up I, I means don't know in China. Either, but let's, let's just talk about the U.S. for just a second. If we decide that, okay, the governor says open the doors, business as usual, schools are open, whatever is going to come out next week or week after, let's get it back to normal. Okay, we've said in Oslo County, we're still at 38 cases. Yeah. One death, okay? One of the lowest in the state. If it's right at, it's uh, staying right on down Per populate, okay? per person, it may be the lowest. It's, it's, it's where it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, worse than it should be, but yeah. we're good. But if we open the doors, what's going to be acceptable? How many new cases popping up would be acceptable to you? First of all, as I said yesterday, if Onslow County opens up, and um, I don't know, Pender does not, Craven does not, Lenore does not, Carteret does not, Pamlico People County does not. People from all over will Guess be coming to Onslow County to eat their, uh, to get dinner. Uh-huh. They're all going to be coming here because they want to get out. All right. <laughs> the, and I, get, I just got yeah. a word we do have 39 now. Um, okay. Yeah. Got, got one confirmed this morning. So but that's, my, we've had that since what, last Friday? 38. My, 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 with what you're saying, here's the point that I would bring up is it seems to me that this virus is going to move kind of by population. It is no surprise that the, the area that you, that is hit the hardest are the cities with, with the most people living on top of each other. Yes. The next wave of this are going to be mid-sized towns. Um, and then finally, it is going to reach rural areas. But well, it's can obviously I, hey, Doug, going to, Doug, let me throw yes. one thing in there. I think the next wave looks to me like it's going to be in places like prisons and nursing homes. Oh, it's already confined there. populations. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Which are people living yeah. on top of each other. I think that's the net. Yeah. Same. Same. Same thing you're talking about. But yeah, that looks like to me. Even the states that are gaining big numbers now, places in North Carolina that are gaining big numbers, a lot of that's coming from nursing homes, long assisted care facilities, that sort of thing. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, look at a city like Albany, Georgia. Not a metropolis by any stretch of the imagination. It has roughly the same population as as Wilmington, um, and they're having a heck of a time in Albany, Georgia. And they're they're overcrowded because they have one hospital system. New York has dozens of hospitals and that are there. They have one hospital, so it, it you know you 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 have a big problem in Albany, and it's, it has the same impact because there's not just the capacity to treat those people. Mm. I think you're going to see this, you know, spread out from large cities to medium-sized to eventually smaller towns. But it is – eventually this is going to be something that we all have to agree with. And the belief that you're immune to it, that you may have gotten it a few months ago or that you've taken great shape and therefore this is going to – you know, if you get it, it'll just be like a small little head cold. I think that's 
that's like the smoker who's told you better quit smoking, you better quit smoking, and they don't take it serious until they say, "Ah, uh, you got a spot on your lung." Too late. You know, it's just it's too late. By the time they will, t- by the time these people will take it serious, it'll be too late to do anything about it. Yeah. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. We hope. We- the, 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 but let me just say, you know, I do think that uh, everybody, you know, it's like the debate that we had at the end of the show yesterday. We got to all. To, to fashion how we need to go forward because we don't have all the answers, we're going to have to agree on something. You, you know what I'm saying, Rayford? I mean, I, and, I, and Doug, I mean, we got to come to an agreement. And and uh, whenever you get a situation like the protest in Raleigh the other day, and I see the one, I see somebody like Joe, he has his picture made with the lieutenant governor candidate. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are practicing. Uh, the, 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 neither point I'm practicing to personal distancing, Correct. and and I and I see that that's you know obviously there's some element there of throwing caution to the wind. I'm not for throwing caution to the wind. Okay, so they're going to have to meet me halfway on that. If I if I agree to some of the things that they want, because that, that maybe cause me some reservations, then they at least do me the favor of saying, okay. I'll do these things because that's what that's that, I mean it, it makes to me they, they to me like everybody's arguing let's do what makes sense even the doctor that came on here today said uh what makes good sense right what makes sense well what makes sense is that we take all of the our concerns we put them together and we find figure out the, the way forward because we don't have the answers and we don't have the treatments and we don't have the vaccines we don't even have the testing to go forward to just based on that. We got to have some level of confidence and we got to have some trust in each other to move forward. And I, 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 I really believe that. Well, okay. here's what I, I will say is a, a middle ground. And I know you guys got to go to a break, yeah. but here's my middle ground is waiting for a vaccine may not be possible, but I will say this. I would, I would be okay with opening and opening things up. If you can assure me, if I get it, there will be a hospital bed waiting for me and a ventilator and, and a, a medical staff with the proper uh, protective gear that can take care of me. Well, now, you now, can, now, now, now that you said that, Doug, listen, I have to say, right now, where we are today, I would feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Um, that, that, I mean, that, that does look like that's the case. Those uh, ventilators are not used uh, until you get pretty serious, by the way. I don't know if I want one. That's I guess I would if I didn't have any other. You don't want to be competing for one either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are lots of them out there, but you're right. If uh, if this thing gets to be even more of a pandemic with lots of patients, then we do have a problem. All right, Doug. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. You too. All right, you guys uh, hang in there. I think we're going to have two two calls on the line when we get back here. You're live and local, the new talk, 96.3. Coming up after live and local, it's Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh. Now it's Rayford, Dee and Elliott on the new talk, 96.3. And we're back live and local, the new talk, 96.3. And uh, we'll get two people on the line at the same time. Skip, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you, gentlemen? Oh, we're hanging in here. Robin, you there? Yes, sir, I am. Okay, we got both of you going here. Um, Skip, you're up first. What's going on? Well, I mean, I, 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 I love the interview you guys did with the doctor this morning. And I also was going to ask if either one of you happened to hear Dr. Parrott's interview this morning on Henry's show. Uh, I did. did you, I did. What, I thought what it was your great. I, 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 I actually yeah. talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead, Skip. 
Um, the the question I have is, I mean, I think I think the, the Dr. Perry hit it on a on a nail on the head this morning. The shutdown was not for a cure. Right. It was for a slowdown. Okay. So we have slowed it down. I think everybody has agreed we have slowed it down. So now the time has come that we slowly with the phases open it back up. I agree with you guys on some aspects. I don't agree with you on others, but I don't think it just wide open, get it going is the way to go. But uh, I think it is definitely time to, to uh, reevaluate. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny that uh, the old great governor of ours doesn't make any comments until he gets the letter yesterday morning. And then now he's going to give a press, press conference today at three o'clock. And as far as dog goes with the protesters making it political, that works for both sides. I mean, I can see the Democrats have made this a uh, political game from the very beginning. And when you have Congress people laughing because our stock market has crashed and our, our oil company barrels are under negative zero and, and think that's funny, then uh, I, think that's, I think that's a problem that people really need to realize that that's not something to be funny about. That, uh, that, that's my sense. You guys have a great day. Skip, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, Skip, I don't think all the Democrats feel that way. No. Some of the, some Democrats are invested in the stock market, uh, you know. I, I, I think he's talking about <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I caution against uh, those extreme, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't I, you know, that's a broad swipe. Yeah. And uh, there's no question it's been the outside, you know, like, you know, the, the governor here is a Democrat, so the Republicans kind of go, take, take him on. I wonder, sometimes I've heard this question asked, if uh, and maybe I wonder if 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 Cooper was a Republican, kind of following the president's <laughs> guidelines, doing the same thing, would he be getting the same kind of criticism? I don't no, know. He would I know not, we got hey. Robin on the line. Hey, Robin. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Oh boy, we got some feedback coming from you somewhere. Uh, can you hear me now? Mm. Are you on a speakerphone? No, try it now, Robin. No, I'm not. Now we got you. We're better. Okay. No, I just um. You know, I've been listening to the comments of the last week, and uh, I've been kind of holding back. And, and I appreciate everybody's points of view on this. Uh, but, you know, this, unfortunately, this has turned into a political uh, bucket, so to speak, and I'll leave it at that. But, you know, we, our numbers here in Oslo County, you know, I was, I was uh, talking with Ms. Sharon Russell this morning, our county manager, and obviously we received a new positive case uh, for COVID-19, so we're up to 39 now. We have about 1,330 tests that have come back negative, and we have about 28 that are presumptively recovered. And I use the word presumptively recovered because there's so much literature out there in terms of determining how somebody can be recovered from the virus, and there's so much that we don't know about this virus and whether it could it could uh, pop up again or whether somebody really is truly, you know, completely recovered or whether or not they're carrying the virus. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of talk about, um, the economy, and, and that's a major concern of mine, small businesses, et cetera. But with the same token, my major concern is, is the health and safety of all of our citizens within Oswald County. Um, and we have to, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, um, we have to move cautiously, very cautiously, as we start to slowly phase in into this process. We can't go back to just opening everything up, and then we see a massive spike or potential for a massive spike with COVID-19. And and what really bothers me is that, that you know, across the board, everybody seems to think this virus affects the elderly, it affects 
those with autoimmune disease and underlying health problems. I'm 59 years old, and I'm in the best shape of my life, okay? I can go out and run and do everything, and I'm very, very healthy as far as I'm concerned, but I'm not going to tempt fate. I'm not going to tempt fate where I can potentially get myself infected and then pass my infection on to my family, to my friends, and et cetera. I mean, that, that is, a to me, a flippant attitude to have, and you can't have that. Because I'll go back to saying what I said about personal responsibility. I have a personal responsibility to myself, but I have a personal responsibility to my family, to my friends, to my loved ones, and to the citizens of this county. Robin, so, I, you, you make some good points there. here. Here's something I, I've thought about, and I'm just I'm, I'm sure that somebody will be following some of these patients who have recovered, quote-unquote, um, who, who have recovered, and see what kind of impact, long-term impact, this disease right. has on them. We don't know. There's we too many things don't we don't know. know. I want to ask Robin this See, question. I want so to ask trying you. To, we, the, the problem is, is that we, we try to to put, we try to compare one statistic with one particular disease with this one, and et cetera, and we try to draw parallels, and you can't do that. COVID-19 is totally different, and it's and it's handled differently, okay, and the way it attacks is similar, is similar to other types of viruses, et cetera, but we just don't know enough about that. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I feel for the small businesses and I feel for the economy and we need to get back to work. But we have to do it very cautiously because the moment that we just throw this to the wind and feel like that we can just go back to what we used to be and then we see an increased spike in our positives, well, that's going to leave no choice but to shut it down again because we're trying to slow it. And I, I do believe that the measures that we've taken uh, within the country or, or and specifically within Onslow County about social distancing, et cetera, I think we have dramatically reduced the spread of this, this uh, virus and that it helped tremendously. Um, if we had continued on, we probably would have a lot more positive cases, and that's no my doubt. concern for our citizens. Robin, you used the word there that it, part of this debate it, that's really kind of a personally sort of – I mean, I, I talked about it yesterday, that, but, but you used the word caution. Okay, and so you see, you go to that, uh, you go to the rally, the the protest in in Raleigh, and you hear people, and they're talking about fear, and the, so so the message they send to uh, to people like myself who would like to see some caution displayed and used, the message they send is, I'm just not brave enough. If it's if it's if it's if if, it's, if, if you're talking about fear. And I have fear, and they don't. Then basically, what they're saying is, I'm braver about this than you are. And, well, and that's, that's that's and not I, what I'm. I don't think that's the truth at all. I think it's just I, that maybe I'm more informed about some things. But go right. ahead. Well, just, it goes back. It goes back to you know some of the some some people who feel that that they will not be infected. Mm-hmm. Okay, and maybe they won't. And I hope to God that they don't get infected. But what's to say that you are carrying the virus and you pass it on to somebody else who's less fortunate than you to have? And a healthy immune system, you know. So that, to me, that's a personal responsibility. That Absolutely, on all of us, for sure. And you know, and I, I got to say this, you know, we've been doing our part as far as ordering out and, uh, some of the businesses. And I was very, very proud yesterday. I went to um, the Texas Steakhouse and the measures they have set up out there for curbside ordering, yeah. and yep. they're wearing their masks and gloves, and, and you know, they're taking this very, very seriously. And I, and I applaud them for their efforts because that's what it's going to take to not only slow this virus down and for us to slowly reopen our businesses so we can get back to normal, but I don't think we'll ever be back to a normal normal that we saw before this. 
Well, uh, I think it's it won't changed, be this year for sure. The outlook of how we approach things. All right, Robin. Hey, man, thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Right. You have a good day. That's Alonzo County Commissioner Robin Knapp. Fred, we got just about a minute or so. Good morning. Yes, sir. I tell you, I love, I, I, I love y'all to death, and I understand that we need to take precautions and all like that. But enough is enough. We need to open businesses up. And I'm talking about barbershops and everything. Period. Now, again, we can use precautions. I mean, we you you said before, uh, Rafer, and I'll give you this. And but you you you're you, you and even Theo's looking at it the wrong way. It's all my insurance. But you, we said Arizona didn't didn't have the stay at home orders and didn't stop everything and all like that, right? Right. right. And you said that they have just as many cases as we do, and we did it. So that goes back to the same thing as you got a burglar system in your house and I don't have a burglar system in my house. And both of us got robbed with the same amount of stuff. But you spent all that money on on the uh, on this bur- on your little uh, alarm system and uh-huh. and I did. So where it's hurting at is we need to again like Robin said, you got precautions. Just open stuff back up. You, you can still you, get I, over there. I, I can't and be open. Nobody's arguing against that, Fred. Nobody, nobody's saying not to open them, but uh, they got to be open in stages to make sure. And we got to observe what happens right, after again, we open I, them. Okay. Again, Arizona's open up. So. All right, Fred, we got to run. Thank you, sir. All right, let's uh, let's take another twenty-two hour break. We'll be back tomorrow. How's that? Uh, And uh, as always, write the number down, 833-825-5963. Don't wait until the last minute to call, okay? See you tomorrow. Be safe.